On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank, we jump right into local college football news. OU practice actual football three times over the weekend, and we remember the Sooner legend Ricky Dixon. In the National College Football Roundup, we discuss the SEC going conference only, the Pac-12 schedule announcement with actual matchups and dates, what the Big 12 is going to do, and the Pac-12 football players threatening to opt out of the season. In Football Guys Talking Basketball, we look at the NBA highlights from the weekend, including the Thunder's beatdown of the Jazz. We give you our winners and losers of the weekend and discuss the inmates that broke out of the Oklahoma County Jail in keeping it local. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? My man Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, August 3rd, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts couldn't be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. And how about these offers for new customers? If you open a new checking account or savings account, they give you $200. If you open both a new checking and savings account, they give you $500 free money people. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. Now we're recording this on Sunday night. Teddy, the Eichards are in the new house. It was... It was a bit of a stressful process. Now there's still, it seems like there's still a week or two of work left to be done. I know there's going to be a bunch of people showing up at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. I can't wait. But overall, a, a relatively stress-free process. My wife has been an absolute champion. I'm not going to lie. I haven't really done anything. I feel bad. I've just been like really lazy. Is that, am I a bad person? Uh, the, the key is to walk around holding something like you're actually doing something. And, uh, just, and I, I'm sure you've already got this taken care of, but if at all possible, if you can get, and I see some curtains back there. If you don't have to hang curtains and you don't have to hang pictures, like everything else in the world is easy. That is the worst part about moving into a house. So we still have people working on it. So I basically am just telling these people that are still coming to the house every day to finish up 
that like the stuff I need, like they're my personal servants. And I don't think it works that way, but I'm trying to make it work that way. Keep going until someone tells you no, right? And it, exactly. Until someone's like, hey man, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to keep asking them to do things uh, and just kind of stretch the limits. But one story before we get to the actual football stuff. Okay. We're sitting Sunday afternoon, right? My brother, uh, my sister-in-law, my two nephews, they're over at the house. My parents are over at the house. We're showing them the new house, giving them the tour. We sit down. We're watching some NBA, right? We're watching Portland and Boston play. Really fun game to watch. Dude, this old guy, it looks like he's on a walk in the neighborhood. He just comes walking up my driveway, just walks over to the side of my house, just peeking, just looking around. And... I, I about get up. I'm like, I'm, I'm about to go say that. And my brother's like, dude, just let it go. He's <laughs> probably been doing that for months. He's just checking on the progress. He's like emotionally invested with your house at this point. It, is that a normal thing? Do people just go look around construction? And there was like four, four cars in the driveway. And the guy was just like, you know what? This is a good idea. I'm going to come just walk into this person's driveway. Like, right up the driveway, like almost to the front door, like looks around. I'm like, what is this guy doing? I think your brother's right. He's probably, he probably knows as much about your house or more than you do. He's been there for every step of the construction on his daily walks. So um, I think it's fairly normal for people in a neighborhood when a new house is being built to snoop around a little bit to see what it's going to look like. But once people are moved in, there and was cars in the driveway, <laughs> and not one car. There was four cars in the driveway. It, and I will, I will, I, I gave the guy a break. I didn't go out and start yelling at him because number one, he was wearing cargo shorts, and I was nice. like, this this guy doesn't need any more issues in his life if he's still <laughs> rocking cargo shorts, and he was wearing one of those like you know the playoff T-shirts that you get at the Thunder games. Yeah. He was wearing one of those, like in public. So I was like, yeah. And no judgment to anyone that wears those shirts. Those shirts are great. They're great. They're free. My Nothing wife better. still wears a blue uh, Thunder playoff t-shirt around the house sometimes. Love that. They're free. There's nothing better than a free shirt. But I was like, wouldn't you want something maybe a little more breathable? I mean, it's like 90 degrees. You're out on a walk, man. Cargo shirt. But I just, I thought it was so funny. I was like, what is this guy doing? Here's just a, a very basic rule to follow. Stay on your own property because I, I guarantee you, like in my neighborhood, if someone random was just walking up someone's driveway down across someone's yard, someone may draw down on you in this neighborhood. That's, <laughs> that's what, what I'm telling you. <laughs> that's what I, I wanted to walk out and be like, listen, man, like we're cool, but you don't know me. Like what happens if you walk up on my house like that and I, you know, I'm not going to shoot you, but maybe I think about shooting you or make you think I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> right. But yeah, that's a pretty good rule of thumb. Stay on your own property because you never know what's about to come flying out that front door. Yeah, I was, it just blew my mind. I thought it was hilarious. And then I was like, what? Wait, that guy just literally walked right up to our house like he owned the place. But all right, let's get to the local college football news. And that is presented by Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer. Guys, stop acting like you're too manly and just accept it. Hard seltzers are amazing. There's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Ale Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. 
It's made in Oklahoma and it is absolutely delicious. Will & Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you and go follow them on social media at, at Will & Wiley. If you're drinking some because of us, tag us in your social media posts to let them know. All right, Ted, let's start with an OU coronavirus update. Yes, the coronavirus update. Those seem to be very important now, yeah. which I really didn't think, you know, you, you think of like a normal injury update. You're talking ankles, knees, hammies. Now we're just talking Rona. And the Rona update for the Sooners could not be better once again. OU had 100 players tested, 38 staff members tested, and zero positives. Goose egg, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, Teddy, whatever they are doing, they are doing it as well as they possibly can because you can't ask for better results than this. And I, I hope we keep having these reports and saying zero positives, zero positives. But maybe should, they st- should everyone in the country be required to study what OU is doing? I, I feel like this is similar to the thing we say about like Tara Maris there in Norman where we're like every restaurant should have to study how efficient that place is and like how they do things, how they run, like how they get that food out that quickly. I don't know, but everyone should have to study what OU is doing right now because clearly they're doing something right, man. Zero positives. That's uh, and it's been this way for, for quite a while now. I don't know how many consecutive rounds of testing that's been now with zero positive, but it's several. Um, it's, it's great news. Here's the thing, man. Um, we're at the point now because we, we're actually practicing football that you can't have any positives. Like, I, because we've never gotten an answer. You know, Toby has kind of asked Joe C this, and we've gone over the NCAA guidelines about a collision in practice equals a contact. Well, we really haven't gotten an official statement as to what exactly is going to be a contact in practice. So, at, Right now, it's like, man, keep those at zero because I don't even want to know what's going to happen if they have even just one positive. So I bet, you know, off-season workouts, the enhanced training camp is one thing, but now that we're actually out there playing football in pads, doing drills, tackling, and stuff like that, a positive test has a, has a chance to really uh, do a number on your program right now. Yeah, let's just hope that doesn't happen. Now, you mentioned it. The Oklahoma Sooners are practicing actual football, like plays on offense going against a defense, like 11 men on one side, 11 men on the other side playing football. <laughs> like it, it's, it is so refreshing. And I know that a lot of OU fans have been living and dying, right, with OU's Instagram story just like hoping to catch a peek or anything they can find on Twitter and what happened was oh you they got their acclimation period practices in Friday and Saturday right so that's where you cannot wear pads that they call that the acclimation period I don't know why it's only two days it's the NCAA rule and it is a full-on practice it is it is one of those practices where it may be the sorest you are all year other than your first day of pads, which they did on Sunday. Let's go thumping each other, people hitting gets me fired up, Teddy. And it's just so damn fun to see actual football being played. Now couldn't wear pads on Friday and Saturday, but Sunday strapped on the helmets, strapped on the shoulder pads 
and got after it. One thing that I know a lot of people were talking about, players wearing you know cloth coverings over their mouths or on their face masks, trying to do their absolute best to protect each other while still actually practicing real football. All the coaches wearing masks. It seems like they were being smart with the drills, all these things. So, listen, if there is a positive, right, and let's, let's just hope there's not, please. Come on, please. I don't know if there's anything else they could have done, man. I, I really don't. It seems, Teddy, it seems like they have taken absolutely every precaution they could take playing actual football, practicing actual football. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been amazing, all of the, you know, and I honestly feel bad for everyone involved. Uh, I feel bad for the players that they have to, to go through this, this offseason, been the way that it is. The coaches, you know, who, you know, just want to coach and just want to recruit like normal, and they're now trying to figure out if they need the first-team tackle to go up against a third-team defensive end and all these different things, the athletic department. You know, all the different things that everyone's had to go through behind the scenes to actually get onto the field and practice football has just been an endless amount of man hours behind the scenes trying to figure out the perfect way to go about it. Well, the best way to go about it. There is no perfect way to go about it. And as of right now, they've done a fantastic job, man. I, I'm amazed that they've, they've been able to keep it at zero positives. I hope that continues. I'm just glad that we're talking about actual football practice. That's the best thing. You know, I mean, I know the coronavirus is a, is a story that we have to hit on. We have to talk about it every week because, you know, it's so influential on everything that's going on right now. But the fact that we've actually got a team practicing football, are they the only team practicing right now? Is anyone else in the country even practicing? I assume the other teams that are slated to play week zero, right? Now, I don't know. I don't remember how many of those have. It's like East Carolina and Marshall, and then I, like maybe one of the New Mexico teams is playing somebody, yeah. but that's it. I haven't Missouri been... State's getting it in up there in Missouri right now. Hell yeah, brother. Getting ready to come <laughs> to Norman to get that ass whooped. Now, I, I have not been living and dying on the uh, Eastern Carolina Instagram story or Twitter <laughs> updates. But I've been looking for any glimpse I can get of these guys, right? And OU's doing a good job updating their Instagram, updating their Twitter, putting pictures out, you know, giving the, giving the fans a little taste, right, without showing too much. So it's, it's so fun to see guys actually out there playing some football. But maybe the most important thing, Teddy, did you see Lincoln Riley's mask? Like this thing – the dude looks like Darth Vader with this thing on. It's unbelievable. I, I need to get one because you know, now that Lincoln Riley, he signed that extension, you know that he has the best, like the best mask on planet Earth. Like the one that has like the highest Amazon reviews or something. Like it has special filters. He got it from some special thing at OU Medicine. I want one. I just saw it and I was like, I want that. I don't know what it does, but I want it. Do you think he has his own tailor for his mask? I mean, is that how official that thing is? It's a one-off? Or is that a mass-produced one, you think? I would assume that's custom, right? I mean... Custom fit? When, when you're making over 7 mil, you, you get custom masks, right? That's how it works. Come on. It's just a weird thing to go in and have your tailor measure your face. Let's see, you're, you're six inches from the lobes to the nose. 
No, that's pretty cool, though. And I imagine, I mean, they've been the new fashion statement because let me tell you, my wife buys a package of about 10 masks and every different uh, cloth you can think of that goes with every outfit. So it's a new thing, man. It's what it is. You, you have to have a mask that matches what you're wearing. It's, I, I didn't think that that was going to be the case ever in my life, but here we are. Now, one last piece of local college football news is an unfortunate piece of news, and that is the passing of a Sooner legend, Ricky Dixon, passed away from complications from ALS. A lot of OU fans remember him for his performance against Nebraska in 87, uh, you know, the two interceptions. And what was that, the game that they called, I think they called the game of the century part two, right? Yeah. He was consensus All-American, the first OU player to win the Jim Thorpe Award, uh, part of the national championship team there in 85, and of course was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame last year. One of those guys that when you see his college highlights, you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I didn't have to play against that guy when you're an offensive guy like me, right? You talk about a safety that will just come and destroy you no matter what position you played. He would do it the linemen. He'd do it to wide receivers, tight ends. Anybody that had the ball in their hand, it didn't matter. If you've never watched Ricky Dixon's highlights, you can find some of them on YouTube. And I went down kind of a Ricky Dixon rabbit hole when the news came out. And, man, it, it, that's one of those guys you see him play and you're like, I don't care what era we talk about. The dude would have come downhill and hit anyone in the mouth. And it's, he, I know he had a really, really tough battle with ALS. One, one thing, and I, this has always been kind of a pet peeve of mine, and I, I don't think me, people mean any disrespect or malice. And this is it's just something I don't like when people say he lost his battle with this. You know, when people say, whether it's, yeah. you know, cancer, ALS. It's like, listen, man, this guy fought his ass off for years and years. He didn't lose shit. You know, he, mm -hmm. he, he did his absolute – and I, I, for some reason that phrase has always really bothered me. I, I kind of like when people phrase it, you know, his, his battle with ALS has come to an end, stuff like that. But I think people should stop saying he lost the battle. That, that really rubs me the wrong way. I don't know why it makes me so upset. It just does. But this is a guy that will always be remembered. Um, for generations and generations of OU fans. Uh, I know that, you know, my grandparents always used to talk about, because he, he played before I was alive, right? They'd talk about how physical Ricky Dixon was as a safety. And it's, it's just really unfortunate. I know it's been, a, it's been a really tough time for him and his family over the last several years, but just hope they know he, he, he won't be forgotten. He'll always be remembered by OU fans. Yeah, I, I remember one of the first, days I got to Detroit whenever I was drafted there one of the guys that worked for the team came up to me and uh, you know welcomed me there and he was talking about uh, some of the Sooners and he used to work for Miami uh, the Hurricanes and he said the best football game he's ever seen is whenever the Sooners and the Hurricanes played and he said the game was basically a battle between two safeties, which think about how far and how different the game is. But he said it was Benny Blades versus Ricky Dixon, and it was back and forth. They were blowing people up. That, like they were the two stars of the football game, not the quarterbacks, not the running backs. It was Ricky Dixon and Benny Blades. So 
I mean, it's just everyone thinks about him. Whenever you think about the Oklahoma Sooners, you think about Ricky Dixon standing on the sideline and, uh, you know, obviously the first Thorpe Award winner. I mean, that's he's the standard. I mean, you know, that's a, Roy, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Whenever Roy Williams came in and was playing his butt off in the early 2000s, that was a standard. That's what everyone talked about at that time. It was that's he plays like Ricky Dixon, you know, so uh, unbelievable. And, you know, it's one of the strange things. It's just kind of the way life is that whenever someone great comes along at a position, they're the new person that we talk about in the new standard. And unfortunately, the the guys before them kind of take a little bit of a backseat. We've got to do a, a better job. Uh, I'm talking to myself here specifically of talking more about the the older guys that came before. And I know that the newer names are fresh and and that's what on, is on everyone's mind. But guys like Ricky Dixon, uh, All-American, Thorpe Award winner. I mean, he accomplished absolutely everything. What was he? The, uh, he was uh, the fifth, fifth overall pick. pick. Yeah, fifth a overall safety. pick. I right. mean, just just imagine that in the in the day and age of quarterbacks and guys that can get to the quarterback and offensive tackles, you know, going early in the draft and like that's what we think of this guy as a safety. How good was he? He was the fifth pick of the NFL draft. I mean, it's unbelievable. Well, I mean, you just look at the you know because, uh, and I'm not taking anything away from Roy at all. I think Roy is um, obviously very deserving of the way he's spoken of at Oklahoma. Um, but Ricky Dixon accomplished everything. Uh, All-American, uh, Thorpe Award winner, part of a national championship team, first-round draft pick, top-10 draft pick at safety. I mean, Ricky Dixon was Roy Williams before, you know what I'm saying? that That's – he's he's the true standard at Oklahoma for safety. Yeah, he was a, he was a bad man. I mean, I watched those highlights for I – mean, I probably watched them for an hour, and I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> now – We'll always wonder, right, what, you know, what role his style of play played in his battle with ALS. I think, you know, a lot of football players, you know, not to get too real about it, but, you know, I think a lot of football players see uh, what happened to Ricky Dixon and you just go, man, that, and it's very real thought where you're like, that, that could be me someday. Mm -hmm. I mean, with, with the way he played and you, you, you never know, you never know, but that's one of those sobering thoughts for former football players. You see a guy like that that played at that high level, that played that physically, and then you see him have a battle with ALS like that, and you just go, ooh, man, there, there are repercussions to playing this game. So uh, rest in peace, Ricky Dixon. Uh, the best to him and his family. Of course, uh, Sooner Nation has showed a ton of love to the Dixon family, and he will always be remembered because he was an absolute badass, man. He was just – those highlights, I, I swear, I was, I was sending them to everyone, Teddy. I was like, look at this guy. Like, why don't we talk about this guy more? Yeah, I mean, and the, the older crowd that was, um, you know, fans of, of that era and, and earlier, they do. I mean, that's, that's a name that they always bring up. That's and, a good point. Um, it's just weird because, you know – it's getting to be where it was so long ago, man. We're talking, you know, 35 years ago or more. So um, we do need to we do need to play those highlights, send them out, talk about it, and keep it fresh in everyone's memory. 
And that's a good reminder. You know, I'm still guilty of it, right? You kind of have that older fan, and it's not just OU fans, you know, football fans, basketball fans, where they're like, well, back in the day, there was this guy, and he could, and you're just like, okay, yeah, we get it. (laughs) And we'll be those guys eventually, right? I may already be that guy. (laughs) You're you're definitely that guy already. But yeah, watching those highlights, it was a reminder. I was like, yeah, that dude could absolutely flat out play. All right, Ted, let's move on to the National College Football Roundup, and that's brought to you by Insurica. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, Connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Well, Teddy, apparently it doesn't mean more. (laughs) Apparently it doesn't mean more because the SEC announced it'll play a 10-game conference-only schedule starting September 26th, meaning SEC teams will play two more league opponents from the other division than normal. The SEC championship game will be December 19th. And then the Pac-12 released a real schedule, a 10-game schedule with dates and everything that'll also start September 26th. Five home games, five away games for everybody. Each team gets one bye, and then there's an open weekend. That is basically a makeup weekend there in the Pac-12, December 12th. And then the Pac-12 championship game will be a home-hosted game, which is kind of fun, on December 18th or 19th. Teddy, a lot is happening in college football. We thought that the Power Five, they may be united. Everyone has split off. The SEC going conference only. That surprised you at all. And then the Pac-12, they actually put games out there. That was kind of exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to finally get some answers as to what everyone's going to do. I think a lot of what they've all decided on is stupid, but it's nice to get some answers as to what the season's going to be. You know, the SEC, I was really hoping that they would do a plus one uh, non-conference slate with the Big 12. I thought that made a lot of sense. I thought it would be really cool. Um, You know, what the Pac-12 has done, I think, uh, you know, for them, it makes a lot of sense. What I don't think makes any sense is pushing back the starting date until September 26th. I just don't get that. Doesn't make Thank any you. sense to me. I, You're, you, they say they're worried about the, a spike whenever students show up on campus. Then why are you pushing the games back to whenever the middle of the spike would be, if you think that that's going to happen? You need flexibility. You need more time between games. That's why Joe Castiglione's kind of been banging the drum. I mean – Honestly, he's been banging the drum softly. I wish he was banging it a, a lot louder about starting earlier, uh, ending later, and having more flexibility in between those games. I just – I don't get it. They're, they're giving themselves no opportunity 
to be able to move maneuver around something if it should pop up if a team has a quick little outbreak and you know they've got to shut a game down well they're not going to have very much room to be able to maneuver if you know you're starting on September 26th and you got what maybe one bye week built in if that so I, I don't like it sometimes I think because we started doing this podcast together that you know we're kind of on the same wavelength like our brains are connected <laughs> I know that's not how it works but okay I get it I, I get that I get the notion that going conference only makes them feel like they have more schedule flexibility. Like I understand it. Like you can, you understand what the other teams you're playing are doing from a testing standpoint, but I'm 100% with you. I do not understand reducing your window to play. It sounds like, like you mentioned that the reasoning is they want to see what happens with coronavirus numbers when students return to campus? A big part of me also believes they want to see what happens when the NFL starts playing games, when they start going. I think they want to use NFL players as the guinea pigs instead of college players. I think that's you know some of the thinking going on from the Pac-12 and the SEC. But they're expecting a spike once kids – return to campus uh you think yeah everyone knows that that is going to happen from a coronavirus standpoint though what will be different between september 5th and september 26th that is what no one has told me like obviously you'll understand i mean i i understand that there will be kids back on campus like i get that but that does not change what's important for college football teams. What's important for college football teams is that your players avoid high-risk situations and they exercise an unbelievable amount of accountability. That is not going to change. I mean, it's just not. It doesn't matter what date you start. I guess I'm I'm trying to understand, like, hey, let's see what happens the first couple of weeks of school. Uh, okay, but it doesn't make sense to me, and maybe I just don't get it, but it doesn't make sense to me to reduce your window. You could work several bye weeks in there. I mean, you're talking four, maybe five bye weeks. Yeah, I I just don't understand why you wouldn't stretch the window out as much as you can, 16, 17 weeks and make as much room for bye weeks am i just too stupid are we are we just idiots are we dumbasses no here's there's one thing that we have to weigh in here the 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 political nature the political environment of this whole situation i mean that's what it is everyone from from doctors to administrators, to athletic directors, to coaches, everyone is scared to death to say what they actually think they should do or what they feel is, is best. And they don't say it, and everyone ends up doing like what ends up being the most conservative way possible to go about things. You know, from the very beginning, I heard that, well, they're thinking about maybe this is way back in like April or May. 
thinking about moving back the start of the college football season and maybe even moving it back to the spring because they're worried about a second wave. And the first thing I wanted to do after I slammed my face into the desk because I was so frustrated, it, why would you move it back into the second wave instead of starting sooner? We should be starting sooner and giving ourselves more flexibility. We're out of time, though. We can't start sooner. It's not going to happen. Oklahoma's trying to start sooner. They understand what's going on. We need to start sooner, give wait, ourselves wait, some flexibility. Wait, hold on. Oklahoma's trying to start sooner? <laughs> oh, did you? I can't believe you laughed at that. That's well, Hey, I appreciate that pity laugh. Thank you. It was, Thank you it very was much. definitely a sympathy laugh. But it makes, it makes so much sense. Um, you know, it's just like the non-conference and the conference thing. Like, it's safer to play conference only, you know. How far is it from West Virginia to Texas Tech? I mean, how is that safer than, than playing a non-conference if it's Texas Tech playing Rice? I mean, some of these things make no sense. Now, I know there's money involved in, in, in why people are or are not wanting to play non-conference games but nothing we have ever done in this thing has ever made any sense as far as how a virus operates and moving the games back I fear Gabe is the ultimate way of them delaying the inevitable of what they know what they're they're already going to have to do and that's don't say it the season oh you said it uh-huh. don't say it and for any of our uh geographically curious listeners out there uh, Lubbock to Morgantown is 1,469 miles. Nice. That is a 21 hour and seven minute drive. Well, uh, that's close. That makes I, sense. I feel like Lubbock is a thousand miles from anywhere, any point on the map, no matter where you start from. That's a good miles point. To Lubbock. That's a good point. Now we are, are, Definitely very interested in what the Pac-12 and the SEC are doing, right? That's Power 5 football. That's big-time football. But it's clear that everyone, every conference, every Power 5 conference is doing their own thing. So we're really most concerned about what the Big 12 is going to do. And the Big 12 presidents are meeting Monday. And that's the most important thing right now for Oklahoma and Oklahoma State fans, right? So now Dennis Dodd, is reporting that the Big 12 ADs are split on trying to play 12 games and then on trying to play a 9-plus-1 format. Obviously, the nine conference games in the Big 12 and then one non-conference opponent before you start the Big 12 slate. The athletic directors will make their recommendations to their university presidents. One thing I am certain of, is that the Big 12 cannot go conference only. It, it makes no sense. You and, and I know that there's a lot of factors going on right now, and we're all hoping that football just gets played. Yeah, we're all in the same place. I understand that. But you can't only play nine games when the SEC is playing 10. And a lot of people are going, well, it'll get to 10 with the Big I, – I put a tweet out there, Teddy, and you wouldn't – you wouldn't believe how many people were like, no, 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 it'll be 10 when they play in the Big 12 championship game. And I was like, yes, but the SEC will also be playing in the championship game to get them to 11 and just mind blown. Wait, what? What? Oh, he's right. (laughs) So 
I, I don't think if you're the Big 12, <laughs> you, you liked that one, didn't you? I don't think if you're the Big 12 that you can just go conference only. That doesn't make sense to me. Uh, you want to be able to have – you want your conference champion when the college football playoff is having to do their thing, which is going to be interesting, and God willing, we get to that point, right? But you can't only play nine games – and have the other teams play 10, and with the championship game, you can't be the only one playing 10 and not 11. So my expectations after this president's meeting Monday, I would assume Monday afternoon when people are listening to this, hopefully it's starting to leak out that the Big 12 is going to play nine conference games, and everyone is going to be on their own to find one non-conference opponent before the conference slate starts. That is my prediction. If I am wrong, Oops, but nothing else really makes sense. I, I think the 12 games thing, I understand that they want to they wanna do it. It just doesn't make that much sense to me now that everyone else is going 10. Why try to do 12? Maybe you want to save some FCF programs. Maybe they just have really good hearts here in the Big 12. But, Ted, 9 plus 1 makes the most sense, right? That's what they have to do. Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. I think it's going to be a 9 plus 1 format. You know, the 12-game thing, it, it makes sense only for a handful of teams. You know, if a lot of these non-conference games are because no one can sell tickets or we, we assume no one's going to be selling a, a full-capacity uh, stadium for these non-conference games, they're, they're not they're – not, revenue generators they're revenue revenue losers so it doesn't make sense to play three of them now especially if you're playing an fcs team right. you know half a million dollars a million dollars to come play that that makes no sense at all and you've been saying that all along teddy yeah so i mean that's not going to make a lot of sense now oklahoma is dying to play non-conference because they're the only one that I know of in college football that has a pay-per-view uh, game on on their contract with with Fox. So that's a revenue producer for Oklahoma big time because especially with a limited capacity stadium, they're not selling ne nearly as many tickets to get in. That non-conference game pay-per-view is going to be uh, gigantic for Oklahoma. Now, can we agree, right, it – Let's just spitball here. Oklahoma, nine plus one. They're plus one. We're thinking it's going to be Missouri State, going to be a pay-per-view game. That's kind of – because I can't imagine – because you're supposed to go to Army. I I don't want that game to happen. I'll say it. I don't either. Be, I, I don't want that game to happen, and it's not because I don't want to watch OU Army. I want that game to happen under normal circumstances. Same. Whatever normal circumstances are now, we'll we'll see, but – I want OU fans to be able to go to West Point and to be able to enjoy everything about that football game. And OU fans wouldn't even be, even be able to go, yeah, I don't want that football game to happen. I'm not going to lie. I, and I don't think it will. But it's got to be Missouri State for the Sooners. Like, that's the only one that – but Let me we don't even you, know what the format's going to be, and I'm over right. here trying to predict it. Let me throw you a quick little um... – conspiracy theory uh gabe love okay, it okay so nine plus one is i agree with you they can't just play nine games they're not going to want to replay rematch another conference opponent to get to the 10 
it's most likely going to be a nine plus one. Okay, right now Oklahoma is scheduled to play Missouri State on the 29th of August. Okay, the Big 12 also has to decide on when they're going to start. Okay, so we are practicing now. This is why I always loved this move to schedule week zero because we're in training camp right now while nobody else in the country is. When they make that decision, and they keep saying Monday, and maybe we'll make it Monday, maybe we won't. And I hope they don't make it Monday because I want Oklahoma to get a full week of training camp in before they come out with probably going to be like a September 12th start day. They're probably going to move it back where the, all the other Power 5 conferences yeah. have. So in, in case any of the Big 12 presidents listen to this podcast, go ahead and push hey, – just, just kick that can down the road. Just keep going, <laughs> kicking it. Kick it, yeah, kick it, kick it. Maybe we'll decide next Friday. So here's what I'm thinking. We did hear Missouri State's AD come out and say that we're not going to pursue any legal um, any legal means, any legal action against Oklahoma if we're not to play this game. Okay, that's kind of a hint. Josie says they're still pushing to play non-conference games, still pressing to play week zero. So I've also heard rumblings, and we heard this from the AAC on Friday, say that we're willing to play non-conference. We're willing to play up to three non-conference games. So here's my theory, my perfect world scenario. Josie has told Missouri State, listen, guys, I'm sorry. This year it doesn't look like it's going to work out, okay? I, we, we wanted to play you guys. We're, we're happy with the matchup. We'll do it again whenever we can schedule it. You've got my word that we'll, we'll put you guys on the schedule. We'll do the same type of, type of game. Because Oklahoma in a nine-game, Big 12-only schedule looks really weak compared to some of the other people. Clemson's scheduled to play Notre Dame. Alabama, you've seen Alabama's schedule? They play Georgia, Florida, Auburn, LSU. They play everyone. So Oklahoma's schedule is going to look incredibly weak. My hope is that we're scanning the AAC. Josie said on Toby's show Friday that his phone is blowing up with people trying to schedule games. So my hope is that our plus one is going to be a relevant opponent from the AAC, whether it's Cincinnati or Memphis or uh, – SMU? SMU, UCF, little Josh Heupel coming to Ooh. town. You, so, you know Hype would want to get some revenge, Oh, right? I know. Boy, he'd be chomping at the bit. So, that would be sick. That's my hope. Now, am I just like off in, in crazy world? Possibly. But my theory is that we're going to have to add some strength to our schedule if it's at all possible. I see what you're saying. That's interesting. I like – you know what? Sign me up for that layman theory. I, <laughs> I mean, like it, it makes sense, right? We've heard we've heard those statements from the relevant people. The AAC is looking to play scheduled non-conference games. The Missouri State AD said they would not pursue legal means against Oklahoma. So, so you know they've talked. To, you know, uh, Joe Castiglione has talked to it, talked to them about it. Like, hey, we'll take care of you down down the road, right? Huh? Just a theory. It. I, Who would you prefer, UCF? That's the storyline right there, right? UCF. I, and and they then the would, in them. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. I, I think UCF. Now, that's why I'd want them to play SMU because 
UCF may be kind of good, right? <laughs> right. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And right. I guess, I guess if if you're Oklahoma and you make that deal, obviously they have to come to Norman. Like that's non-negotiable. But right. I like that. I like that a lot. We need to, we need to get on spreading that rumor. Just to, you know, the phrase "speak it into existence," right? right? We need to try. Right. We need to try that with that. All right, Ted. Now, college football players this weekend are voicing concerns, and rightfully so, right? So SEC players had a call last week with SEC officials. It was supposed to be confidential, which is hilarious, because in a shocking develop, and I do mean shocking development, the details of that call got leaked. <laughs> I, I know, crazy. Amazing. Now, I will give the SEC some credit. It sounds like they were pretty open and honest with the players on that call, right? They said that, hey, we're expecting outbreaks. We're expecting players on every SEC team to get it. Like, that is just reality. Like, the outbreaks are coming. It's, it's about how we manage them. And I got no problem with these players voicing their concerns about it. I mean, I go back thinking about when I was playing, like, yeah, I would – I would kind of want to know what some of the details would be. Like, what are we going to do if we're supposed to play a team and they got a bunch of guys that had it? Like, how do we trust what they're saying? Like, all those things. Like, you would have questions. But then you have the players in the Pac-12, Teddy, that post <laughs> a statement. A level, huh? That take it to a whole nother level. And they post a statement on the Players' Tribune. And in a nutshell, they are threatening to opt out of the season – and they have presented a list of demands. And it's, it's quite an extensive list. So uh, I went through it and picked out my highlights, you know, what I thought kind of stood out the most. And I'd like to point out that we were right. We told people that this was coming. We told you it would happen. College players have never had more leverage than they have right now. So the Pac-12 they had i'm i think it started with guys from cal and stanford because of a core of course it did it started with the nerds and here's some highlights now this is a good one right the race racial injustice component they want the pac-12 to financially support low-income black students they want an annual black college athlete summit that sounds awesome yeah i, I think everyone's on board with that sure that sounds perfectly reasonable right and then you get into some of the other ones. They think that uh, the Pac-12 should distribute 50% of each sport's total revenue evenly among athletes. What? Yeah. How? That's not happening. What? I, I mean, okay. Okay, let me just go through them before I roast them on that one. A, another one, they want Pac-12 administrators, officials, and coaches to have reduced salaries and eliminate performance bonuses. And they want to keep all the sports alive, right? They want to be able to, you know, dip into endowments. We saw what happened at Stanford. And we even asked that question, like, why just, why didn't Stanford dip into the endowment? So that seems relatively reasonable. Now, asking the coaches to take a salary cut or not take their bonuses, that's a bold choice. Okay. Now, they want to be the Pac-12 players. They want to be able to earn money from their name, image, and likeness. Perfectly reasonable. That's going through next summer. That's going to be a thing. I don't even know why they listed it. It's happening. Like it, it's in the works. It's happening. Now, 
They also want to be able to transfer without penalty. Fine, that's going to happen next year too. And they also want to be able to come back to school if they go undrafted. Okay, seems reasonable. But I just, I, I just don't understand. When, when you make – now, and some of these are perfectly reasonable. I completely support them, make perfect sense. But when you make outlandish demands – that make no financial sense and make you seem uneducated on the subject, then it, it kind of waters down all the good stuff you put out there because people are just going to talk about the thing where you said, yeah, you should distribute 50% of each sports total revenue evenly among athletes. Like that's not how business works. Well, it does work that way. Here's the problem. Uh, a lot of those Sports don't make revenue. You know what happens when you don't make revenue? You split the uh, negative, the, what you, the liability between the people too. So you want 50% of the liability for your sport that doesn't create revenue? You need to, you need to show them a, you know, a balance sheet and just be like, you see the brackets <laughs> or you see the parenthesis? That's not good. And you will have to play what is within, you will have to pay what is within the parenthesis. Like, I, I, I just don't understand. Like, I thought I could just that, see, like, the, uh, the women's basketball team getting the, uh, the invoice. Like, getting the – Wait, <laughs> what? I owe $25,000 in uh, to make all, us the revenue? We all owe one hundred and fifty grand. What? <laughs> I, I no, just – I mean, it's – listen, I understand that – I admire these guys for organizing this way and – realizing the leverage position they're in and you know really trying to and and they they want to know about health protocols and you know kind of the opt-out situation and it's been made clear right everyone's keeping their scholarship if they opt out everyone's doing it that way it would be ridiculous not to do it that way so I thought there was a lot of good stuff in this list of demands and then there was a couple where I was like oh come on guys like, well, like come on here's, at the end of the day here's what's going to happen you know if they want to um, put, put a cap or make all of the, the officials and coaches and all these people take big reductions in salary and they want to distribute 50% uh, of that to, to athletes, well, here's what's going to happen. And, you know, because right now what goes on is, you know, college sports are not a – they're not a business in a sense that they're, they're trying to create a, a profit and they distribute that to shareholders. That's not what's going on. You know, they, they have a budget, they grow that budget. They try and earn more income off of what they're doing. You know, football generates a lot of income and what do they do? They say, well, we can build a new rowing facility now. Okay. Uh, basketball men's basketball generates a lot of income. So what do they say? They say, well, we can partner with Blake Griffin to build a new, um, you know, uh, performance center for the basketball programs. You know, softball is, is generating some revenue. So what can we do? We can, we can partner. We can, we can take some from our athletic fund and try and build a, a new stadium and new facilities for them. You know, that's what's going on with this money. There's not some evil entity somewhere piling it into a, a big vault and diving into the gold coins and swimming every night. It's not what's going on. Scrooge making, duck style. Right. They're making your on-campus life better. Uh, Oklahoma built a beautiful Headington Hall to where those players 
have a beautiful area to live and study and and socialize compared to the crap dorms that you and I went to. So it's it's a, a constant progression to make your life better. They're not making – listen, yes, it, I'm not naive enough to think that everyone that's working in the athletic department is is getting uh, minimum wage salaries. I understand that there's a lot of people that, that make some good money up there, but at the end of the day, the student athlete is constantly benefiting from what goes on. So, And um, they actually mentioned that in, in their demands that they wanted – uh, you know, less spending on elaborate facilities. And when I read that, I was like, why you get to use those. That's awesome. That's exactly what you want. And I get it. They want to save all the sports. You know, you see sports programs across the country and athletic departments being cut. I understand, but it is yeah, one wait of those till things. The doesn't meet these demands and you don't play anything. See what happens. Uh, to the and, sports okay. Programs then. okay. So, and that's a great point. One other thing they want to, I believe the way that they worded it, prohibit COVID-19 like liability waivers, which I, I can understand. I think they can win that. I, I think they can get a win on that. Right. But we'll, we'll see. But you, you mentioned that Teddy, we've both seen this NFL guys can't even unite and hold out. I mean, NFL guys can't properly lock out. Right. I, I just don't see this working. Uh, there's guys that are fringe NFL players and they're not going to sit out, man. They're going to want to take care of their families. That's, that's just how it is. They're going to, they're going to say, Hey, I am going to play at a high level and that's going to improve my draft stock. And if you guys don't want to play, that's fine, but I'm going to do it. There's going to be, there's going to be so many guys that go, you know what? This sounds great, but I want to play well, in the league and they're not going to sit out. This is unrealistic. They're not going to do it. And I, I respect them for giving it a shot, but when NFL guys can't even do it, how the hell are college guys going to do it? Well, I think that, you know, they may be, uh, they may learn a sad reality. What happens if the NFL locks out and they don't play? They don't get paid. Correct. Okay. So do players expect to be able to lock out and hold out and still get that scholarship stipend and still get those all those meals provided for them and still go hang out up in the study hall? And I mean, and maybe they will, but I – I, my guess is that if you're going to hold the Pac-12 hostage on this deal, that you know maybe all those perks that you've got right now are going to go away, at least while this uh, little dispute happens. And and maybe they don't. Right? If they've got them in, in such a situation to where all that stuff continues to happen, well then, you know I I don't know what they're going to do, but. Usually that's how things work. Whenever you strike or you hold out, you're doing so at a massive risk because you're not getting a paycheck and you're not getting food on the table. Correct. And, you know, sometimes things just work out when you're recording a podcast and something just falls in your lap. Like a tweet from Lamonte McDougal, who is a player for uh, Washington State. And this kind of – it's a perfect example. This is talking about the Pac-12 players' demands. He says this in a tweet. I agree with everything this movement is fighting. 
especially the health concerns, but not playing this season isn't an option for me. I got people that need to eat. So if the NCAA wants to use me as a lab rat, it is what it is. And he's not the only way. He's not the only guy that's going to feel that way. I mean, he's just not. So I, I, I respect what they're trying to do. Uh, I think it took an incredible amount of organization to try to get this done. I just don't see it working, man. I really, I, I just don't see it working. You know, I, I don't either, but how can any of these guys honestly feel like they're being treated as a lab rat? I mean, like a really pampered lab rat. And instead of like getting tested with drugs, you get like the best meals and like best nutrition. I mean, they've been, they're bending over backwards so you can play football. I mean, that, I mean, I don't think that they're treating anyone like a lab rat at all. It's almost offensive to me knowing what all of these, these people have gone through to try and put a season together. Um, Hey, if, if you don't feel comfortable playing, you don't have to play. The, the NCAA basically said that from the very beginning, didn't they, Gabe? We covered that on the show. Um, yeah, and, I mean, these guys – scholarship for it. Yeah, and, and that, that's been made very clear by every conference, every university. Like, if you opt out because of health concerns with what's going on with the pandemic, you're going to keep your scholarship. You're, you're not going to be punished. So I, – Equals but, not elaborate. I don't know. I don't know, man. No, I, When's the last time you saw a lab rat opt out of a uh, procedure? You know what, doctor? <laughs> I'm out. I'm good. I'm good. I, uh, that needle. <sighs> yeah, no, that's, that's not for me. I don't even know, like, a lab rat. Yeah, that's, pretty, uh, that's a pretty interesting comparison. All right, but it is what it is. Uh, one last thing in the national college football scene, Ted, the NCAA announced college athletes in all sports will be permitted to wear patches on their uniforms to support social justice issues. They don't have to wear one, but the patches for every team have to be identical. Players will also be permitted to put, quote, names slash words intended to celebrate or memorialize people, events, or other causes instead of their last names on the back of their jerseys. I don't – I assume – there's going to be some sort of screening process for what they can put on the back of their jerseys. I feel for our friends in the equipment room, right? That there's going to be guys that want to change it like at halftime, like, Hey man, no second half's going to be a quality first half was, I, I just, and I'm not trying to poke fun. Like I want the kids to be able to use their platform, right. And to put the message out there and you're, you're seeing it in the NBA bubble. Right. And it's, you know, it's, garnering attention for those guys and it's important with what's going on in this country but i I just know i know these are these are college kids there's going to be some goofy shit on the back of their jerseys there just is it's just how it's going to be i you know the thought of this is always great until you realize that it's going you can we're we stand behind you uh, if you want to support any social justice issues, as long as it's a social justice issue that we sign off on, then we're okay with it. But if we don't sign off on that issue, then you can't do it. Sorry. So here's your approved list of things that you can wear on your jersey. So, yeah, and, I mean. And you, you got to remember that was collectively bargained. 
in the NBA bubble, right, from the Players Association, with, you know, with the Players Association in the league, I don't know who's going to be collectively bargaining for the college football players. And I can't wait, Teddy, I cannot wait to see how coaches handle this. I mean, I don't know how you can't. As a, These coaches have like, – their job has gone from coaching football and recruiting – high school athletes to like daycare worker by politician. I mean, it's, it's amazing all the stuff that they're going to have to do. And now they're going to have to juggle this too. I, I can hear the conversation right now. Listen, uh, Joe, I know you want to put this slogan on, on the back of your Jersey, but man, do you, you really think that's smart? Should we really do that? I just, I don't know, man. Yeah. It, it's going to be really interesting. I'm, I'm legitimately interested and intrigued to see what, especially college football players do with it because, and you know, and once again, I understand the big picture here, what's going on with the social injustice, you know, the racism in the country, like I understand, but it was always very important to me to have my name on the back of my Jersey. It was like, you know, I was representing my family. And it was, it's something that, I mean, if you, if you don't take pride in your last name, then what do you take pride in? Right. Mm -hmm. So we've seen some NBA guys keep their last name on the jersey, like LeBron James. He he said, you know what? Everyone knows what I'm about. I'm gonna keep my name on the back of my jersey. I'm gonna keep preaching the message. So it'll be interesting to see what players do. And yeah, I, I don't know if coaches have any other choice other than, all right, as long as it's not, you know, profane or super offensive, you, you kind of just got to green light it, right? Because the second you tell a kid that he can't put X, Y, or Z on the back of his jersey, that kid's tweeting, right? We've seen that. We, we've seen how this works now with these players. If a coach does something that they don't like, the players are going to make it known publicly. And then there's going to be a whole back and forth. And it's, it, it's going to be really interesting. Really, really uh, you know, interesting. The NCAA is permitting the players to put the names or words on their jersey, but who, who's in charge of policing it? Does that go down to each team, or is that up to the NCAA? I mean, all they've done is laid out a whole new problem for all these individual teams to deal with. I mean, so like in the NBA, they gave out a list of things that you could put on your on your jersey, and – you know, they were, they were, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with them, but there's also some other people on a different political spectrum have some things that they would that like to put out there as well. Like, let's say your left guard's father is a police officer and he wants to put back the blue on his jersey. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's, I mean, is that's that going to be allowed? Because in the, in the NBA, that was totally not allowed, you know? Right. So, I mean, that's, that's the. That's a really that good they, point. That, that that's something I hadn't even thought about. Right, you know. That's what someone say like now in all these all these college institutions. I mean, well, you know. even something as simple as hey, maybe a a guy has a dad that's in the military and puts support the troops on the back of his jersey. I I, I don't know. It'll be it'll be really interesting. And my dog will not shut up. I don't, this has never be, happened. Never happened. Moon? My dog's doing the same thing at the same time. <laughs> Interesting. This is the first appearance by either of the dogs in an episode. Huh. 
Well, all right then. I guess we'll just roll with it. So sorry about that. Not really sorry. You know, this this is our lives. This is how we live. Hey, that's how you know that this is authentic, Gabe. That's called authenticity. There's no doubt about it. All right, Ted, let's move on to our segments. And since it is Monday, the people are going to get some football guys talking basketball. And that now is brought to you by Tim Hughes Custom Homes. Are you looking to build your dream home? If so, Tim Hughes is the man you are looking for. Tim Hughes Custom Homes is a one-stop shop for all your home building needs. He can find you a lot. He can find you an architect. He'll find you financing. And of course, he can build you your dream home exactly the way you want it. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, Tim Hughes found my wife and me a lot. He found us an architect and he built our new house. Tim and his team were so easy to work with. I never even had to threaten to kill him. Teddy, which is pretty rare, <laughs> if, you've ever, rare. Which, if you've ever built a house from scratch. He's also built several office buildings. So if your business is looking to build a custom office, Tim Hughes is your man. You can see Tim's custom builds throughout Gallardia, Nichols Hills, Oak Tree, Stone Mill, and Rose Creek. It is a great time to build the house of your dreams. For more information and to see Tim's spectacular work, visit his Instagram page at Tim Hughes Custom Homes or visit timhughescustomhomes.com. All right, Ted, little FGTB weekend highlights of the NBA. What? Raptors absolute beatdown of the Lakers, which uh, I don't know if a lot of us saw that coming, but that was a whooping. The Clippers hit so many threes against the Pelicans. It was, ridic- it was ridiculous, and Zion looked so sad as it happened. I felt bad for him. We saw TJ Warren drop 53 We saw a really fun game between Boston and Portland on Sunday. But that's all great. But all we care about is the Thunder. And the Thunder put an absolute beatdown on the Utah Jazz. 110-94. Just completely dominated that first half, Teddy. What, up 24 at halftime. Really balanced throughout the game offensively. Six guys in double figures. I think Diallo had nine, so almost had seven. But maybe the most encouraging thing of all, it wasn't what they did offensively, but how they defended, just how uncomfortable the Jazz looked. Now, they missed some open shots. There's no doubt. They missed some open shots. But the Thunder did a really good job of making everything difficult for the Jazz offensively. So much athleticism and length for the Thunder with the lineups that Billy Donovan was going with. But I don't think some people realize, Ted, that sometimes – Football and basketball can really relate to each other. And the Thunder were the more physical team. Went right at Gobert, right, over and over. And basketball can be football like that. The most physical team normally wins. And the Thunder beat the Jazz up and really controlled that entire game. Now, we only saw a little of Robertson, but he looked good when he was in there. Made Donovan Mitchell uncomfortable. Thunder win it all, right? That's that's. I know it's only that's, one game, but they looked incredible. I don't know that there's any other conclusion to come to after uh, beating okay, the good. Jazz. Glad it wasn't just me. Good to yeah. know. I will say this, Gabe. If you had taken your $500 uh, for setting up your accounts at First Fidelity Bank and put it on my Clippers play and my Thunders play during last uh, podcast's Wet the Beak segment, you'd have 1000 bucks right now. Just saying – just saying okay Okay. first of all the fact that you were able and you've got you've got a steel trap memory you really do it's impressive (laughs) but the fact that you were able 
to work the presenting sponsor into it. I see what you did there. That a boy. Nice. Hey, I, I've, it's amazing how I can remember uh, bets that I've win uh, that I win, but the ones that I'm wrong on just for some reason they vanish. I just can't. Isn't that ever, that's crazy can't how that works. Bring them back. That's so I weird. I love how athletic the Thunder is, though. I mean, they've got so much depth. I mean, whenever we first started this season. I didn't say they had depth. I said they don't have anybody. They don't have anyone. They've got nobody. Who are these guys? It's like major league. Were you, <laughs> were you a guy that was like, they're destined for the lottery, right? Ping pong balls. Was that you? I, because I, I mean, was like, this is a winning culture. They're going to be better than you think. Like maybe well, no, Chris Paul will be motivated. So I feel vindicated in all my predictions. I heard everyone saying that, you know, they should tank to make those draft picks better. And I was like, do you really want that? I mean, who wants to watch that? I'd rather watch a team go out and fight and scrap and try and win every night and be 500 or even a little bit below than just try and lose. I think that is so horrible. I don't want to watch it. I don't care what it means for the future and the draft picks. It just, it's miserable. So uh, I was, I was never that way. I was never rooting for them to be a, a team that could, you know, that would, tank and you know just talking to some basketball guys because a lot of these players that I didn't know and know a whole lot about they're like eh, I, you know on paper it looks pretty good actually so I mean it's turned into a really fun athletic team to watch and I love a team that is overachieving for what a lot of people expected I think that's more fun to watch than almost anything else so it's been awesome and again athleticism defense um, they've got guys that can run the floor, man. It's, it's a lot of fun to watch. It really is. It, it is fun to watch. And it's like, they're having a lot of fun. And Antonio Daniels talked about it when we interviewed him last episode that Billy Donovan is finally getting to coach. Right. And it, it seems like between what Billy Donovan's preaching and then what Chris Paul is preaching. Cause in, in my mind, he's just another coach on the floor that is yeah. an incredible mid range player. <laughs> it's working. It's work. I'm excited. I'm excited. I don't have any, you know, like they're going to the conference finals expectations or anything like that, but it's kind of fun. I would say it's, it, it's a lot of fun to watch a team where you don't have those expectations and you, you kind of are just watching to enjoy the game. And man, it, it was fun watching them just beat the hell out of the jazz. Now the thunder are going to play the nuggets Monday at 3 p.m., which, of course, that's normal. That's Hey, I mean, it's this schedule, whenever you look at what they start at either 1230 or 1.30 every day, Eastern, I think, right? So it's almost like an AAU tournament schedule for some of these guys. You play like a 5.30 game and then turn around, you're playing the next day at 12.30. So without any traveling and stuff, I bet they actually love the schedule. I, I think they probably do because – I mean, when we played in the NFL, didn't you like just getting it out of the way? I know some yeah. guys like you, you want to play on Sunday night football. You want to play on Monday night football. But there was a big part of you that was like, all right, hey, one o'clock Eastern, let's roll. Let's get Go. this over with. So, uh, yeah, the Thunder will get the Nuggets 3 p.m. on NBA TV Monday. And the Nuggets got whooped by the Heat in the first game. Uh, they didn't have Will Barton, no Gary Harris. Both of those guys are out for the matchup with the Thunder. Jamal Murray is questionable. We've seen him kill the Thunder a couple times. 
he didn't play in that one. And just a reminder for all Thunder fans, uh, Nikola Jokic is kind of skinny now, so don't be shocked when you see him. If you haven't seen him play, yeah, he, he lost a lot of weight. Now he still has probably the best mannerisms in the league. There's no one that complains, like is drastic. It's so fun to watch. He just like, when he gets in mopey Jokic mode, it's the best. But he's still a hell of a basketball player. And just a reminder, he's a little skinnier now. It's that European soccer player shining through. You know? that, is, that is a great way of describing it. Yeah, he's spent all of his, you know, uh, quarantine over there in Europe watching soccer once they got started back before everyone else. And he started the same, you know. <laughs> I, don't, I think that that's my sound effect for it, that's right? This, this no is an audio medium. different than that. Yeah. <laughs> but it, I'm excited to watch that game. Um, and one other thing for Thunder fans, cheer for the Thunder to rain threes of course it helps them win games but pretty cool mike muscala aka moose aka musky whatever you want to call him he is donating a hundred dollars to peace players for every three-pointer the thunder hit in the bubble so they've already hit quite a few that includes uh, the scrimmages seating games playoffs everything and peace players is a nonprofit that unites divided communities through sports They've worked to strengthen relationships between the youth and law enforcement in several cities. So that's pretty cool. So, hey, cheer for the Thunder. So you know when the Thunder make a three, it is really good for the Thunder when it comes to helping them win the basketball game. But also, Muscala's got to give $100 to a good cause. So that's, that, that's kind Love of fun it. to cheer along with. Love it. Good for him. Um, I hope they fill it up. And they've been a little bit better shooting the three ball than I've expected this year. Okay, and – I don't know what Baisley did in the break. I don't know what Dort did in the break. We saw Robertson and a couple of those scrimmages shot looking better. I, I'm just saying, if they hit threes, watch out. Watch out. I'm not, I'm not getting my hopes up. They're going to win it all. I'm not getting my <laughs> hopes up. But it, it's just fun. It's fun to watch this team. Continues to be great. All right, Ted, let's move on to the winners and losers of the weekend. And Teddy's Winners and Losers are brought to you by Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers to get on the path to losing weight. Call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. All right, Teddy, who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Dude, I'm going to have to work on my, my breathing during these reads. Whoa. <laughs> have, I been, like, have I been mouth breathing bad during like the longer ones? Oh, I'll get, I'll, get, I'll get better, people. I'm sorry if I have been. I'll get better. I'll train my breathe from the diaphragm. You know, we can edit this thing, Gabe. So if you need you to know, I'm not going to do that. You know, the, we, we want <laughs> the raw, it, well, not even that. We want the raw, uncut stuff for our listeners. It's what they deserve. It's what they deserve, Teddy. We can't cheat them. I hear who, you. I, who you I got? understand that. My winner, winner of the weekend. I, so I don't know about you, but I am a bit of a space nerd. Okay. I really? Love, yeah. I love, um, the thought of launching people into orbit is totally fascinating for me. 
and the fact that SpaceX um, had a successful, um, I don't know what you call it, uh, re-entry, I guess. Uh, it's just, for me, it is. it just blows my mind what one must think, you know, Jumping a motorcycle and doing a backflip is crazy, okay? Insane. But, Would but never. strapping yourself to a rocket and shooting yourself into outer space, hanging out for a month, and then parachuting into the Atlantic Ocean on reentry is just like, that's a whole nother thing. And I was just fascinated that I watched the launch, okay, and I watched a, a missile blast guys into orbit and then come down and land on a drone ship in the North Atlantic, okay? And then I watch these guys parachute in from orbit into the, into the ocean. I'm just fascinated by that. I think it's awesome. And the fact that it was all done with private money is, to me, just Capitalism, baby. I Capitalism. I, I, did, I did not know you were a rocket dork. That's awesome. I I'm a rocket dork. I had those, and gosh, this is so old. I don't even know if they have this anymore, but they had these little rockets that you could make that were kind of models. And they had these like little loaded, like rocket fuel boosters that you could put into them and shoot them up a thousand feet. I used to do that when I was a little kid. So question just pretty nerdy. I, I, I did not anticipate getting off on a rocket tangent, but have you ever seen the movie October sky? Of course I have. Okay. Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah. Dude, that yeah, movie's sure. awesome. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I used to be obsessed. Like, that's one of those feel-good movies where you watch it and, like, you're an athlete. And I was a nerd. Everyone knows. That's why when I speak about nerds, like, I'm speaking from a place of love because I grew sure. up. I, I was a nerd. Never made a B in my life. Like, that was my thing. I was a nerd. It was fine. Wore glasses as a kid. You know, it's, it is what it is. But I, I still love that movie. I love just nerding out watching that movie. It's I'm trying to think of the nerdiest movie that I like. Um, that's a pretty good one. I've seen it multiple times. I'll have to get back with you, but there's going to be something nerdy that I like. I'm sure. I'm sure we all have. We all have our nerdy movies that we sure. love. I mean, we all got a little nerd in us. All right, Ted, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? My loser is any parent in Norman, Oklahoma, of school-aged children. Norman oh, no. has announced that they are going online only. And, um, boy, wait, I wait, wait. tell you. Online only for, like, the first couple weeks? They didn't say. So oh, wow. I, I mean, I think it's open-ended to where if it gets better. But let's be honest. We know what, what all is going to happen here. We're not going back to school. Um, so yeah, we're going online. So, um, yeah, got to figure something out here as to, uh, what exactly is going to go on. Um, hopefully I'm hoping cause my son goes to a school that is actually not a, a Norman public school, but they may have to adhere to the same guidelines. I'm just hoping that they don't, but man, I got to tell you, there's a bunch of working parents out there that all of a sudden are panic mode so feel bold, bad for him bold prediction here um mm -hmm. your son is going to end up in an oklahoma city private school come on just it, it's inevitable man come on it, it could happen Listen, right now he's at a place in norman like it's a 
it's a they have like a kindergarten i just i'm hoping it's gonna gonna be that way but it's not hey oklahoma city is not out of the realm of possibility i will i will send you my brother's number he's got a kid that is going into kindergarten as well maybe they can be friends maybe maybe your son and my nephew can be buddies we'll see i love that we'll see but yeah so i will send all the positive vibes to the parents of norman uh don't send them positive vibes gabe send them a babysitter (laughs) <laughs> that are that are liquor, right? Tutor or liquor, yeah. All right, <laughs> all Ted. of the above. Uh, my winner of the weekend, Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet. Now, if you have not heard, there are reports that allegedly Fowler and Herbstreet are going to be on the call for the first Monday night football game. Right? They always, you know, opening weekend in the NFL, they do the doubleheader on Monday night football, and allegedly. Fowler and Herb Street are going to call the first game. So these guys just, they just keep winning, man. I, I don't know if it'll be weird, but that's really impressive. You're already the number one announcing team in college football, and you're so good at your job and people like you so much that they say, you know what? Let's give a Monday night football to, I mean, first of all, hey, Herb Street, can some of us get some work too, man. Like chill. Like you're on everything already. Fowler, you're already like the voice of tennis. Like can can some of these other guys get work? Like now I respect the hell out of those guys. They're great at what they do. It's just really impressive, right? You're the top billing in college football and now you're going to have the biggest gig in all of pro football. I mean, kudos to those guys. Those guys have grinded and it's going to be interesting to see if it works because their voices are so synonymous, right, with college football. I wonder if it's going to be weird. I just wonder. Now, I will say this, though. I do not understand the other team that has been reported that will be on the other game of that Monday Night Football doubleheader. Okay, Lewis Riddick, love that guy. I think we all think he, he's very qualified, great analyst very cerebral like he's really good i'm a big lewis riddick fan hell yes love him that's awesome steve levy uh, okay eh. right yeah yeah but brian greasy are, what are we doing i mean what are we do? brian greasy over my man dan orlovsky i, well, I mean I, I just i i don't understand I don't understand why – and everyone complains about Brian Greasy calling college games. And now he's going to be on Monday Night Football. Here's the thing, man. So the Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet pick is – it's totally safe. That's what it is. That's a good it's way a, of putting it. It's a safe pick. I think it'll suck, but it's safe. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of Herbstreet. I, I, I don't like his style of calling a game, but – it's totally safe. They're not going to say anything outlandish. It's not going to be a bad product. It'll be professionally done. It'll be a professional broadcast. It, for that end of it, it'll be great. But you don't – okay, if you just hired with a little bit of thought, you wouldn't have to do this. You know, of course, uh, putting Booger McFarlane – in, in the booth or on the sideline on a little 
the booger mobile all rip to the booger mobile and taking jason witten off the field no time to do anything no warm-up gigs no sunday afternoon one o'clock kicks none of that you're gonna throw him directly into the biggest broadcast that you have are you kidding me <laughs> the biggest broadcast in football the biggest broadcast arguably in sports who in the right mind would ever put Booger McFarlane on Monday Night Football? I mean, he's an opinion opinionated guy. He says some he says See, some wild I, things, but he's not a Monday Night Football guy. I I will disagree with you kind of on Booger. I liked him on the sideline. I I thought when he was you know chiming in, I I liked the perspective he brought as a defensive lineman. It's a perspective you don't really get that often. Mm-hmm. You don't really get defensive perspective that often anyways. But I liked some of the things he brought in that first year. Now, in the booth, I didn't think he's got he – no, His personality just wasn't a match between the two. Yeah, that, that was the problem. There was no chemistry there. Yeah. There was just – and, you know, Joe Testor, I, I think he's, he's really good at what he does. But once again, that's just a guy I associate with college. It yeah. just is. So, I, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know if that Herb Street and really Fowler good. thing – I mean, it's going to work. They, they're going to put together a really, like I said, professional broadcast. But you're not going to learn anything. It's not going to be funny. There's not going to be anything that we didn't know about these teams that show up. It's just going to be a very, like, bullet point type of broadcast, which, I, you know, I guess some people like. I like, like, my favorite broadcast team ever was Tariko and Gruden. Tariko gives you the the professional broadcast. It's, it There's is really good chemistry. It's funny, but you also learn something listening to Gruden. It should be against the law that Mike Tariko is not doing play by play right now. And I understand Al Michaels is still there at NBC. I get it. Him and Collinsworth, they've got their thing going on Sunday Night Football. But the fact that we don't get to hear Mike Tariko do play by play every Sunday. It's just so stupid. Like, why? Someone and, and I'm sure he's getting paid a fortune by NBC. I understand. Okay, fine. But that guy is so damn good. He's my favorite play-by-play guy, and I never get to hear him do me NFL too. play-by-play. It doesn't make any sense, Teddy. No, me too. Um, you know, I, it, but listen, if you go with Fowler and Herb Street, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg, but it's not going to be one where – you got 80% of your audience saying, this sucks. What are we doing with Booger on here? It's just going to be a, a totally bland, conservative, like no problem broadcast. Okay. And we, you know, it seems like the start of college football is getting pushed back. Right. And the, the type of games that Fowler and Herb Street will be calling, it seems like are going to start in the middle, if not late September. But what happens if college football is played and those guys go and do college, like, are they going to do both or are then, are we going to be stuck with Steve Levy and Brian Greasy on the call of Monday night football every week? Or are you kidding? Now, once again, Lewis Riddick, fantastic. Love him. Think he's awesome. But I mean, that's the best ESPN can do. Are you serious? I, I mean, Hey, I, I have no idea. I don't know. I'm sure that they're going to do both. I'm sure they'll, they'll do the, the big Saturday night, night, Saturday night game and turn around and do the Monday night game. I'm sure they'll be able to handle that. But, you know, 
I'm disappointed because I'd like to see some some good talent in that spot. Some uh, give me McAfee. Come on, let's just give me McAfee at least on the sideline. Let him bring. And I know he's not for everyone, but the guy's funny. It's different. He brings a different audience. Your numbers will go simply because of him. I mean, his following on social media, it's absurd. The views he gets on like YouTube, this just in, Teddy. His YouTube videos, a few more views than ours. Just a few. Close. But a few more. No, I mean, I would like that. But here's the problem. If you put McAfee on the sideline in a capacity where the broadcast crew doesn't get it and is like totally uptight like Fowler and Herb Street are, it would be a disaster. There's got to be someone there that can play off of what he's doing. And like uh, Orlovsky probably would be able to because, you know, he kind of gets him. But Herb Street, like those guys, uh, and they're really good at what they do, but you have to be able to laugh at yourself if you're going to be with McAfee. And I don't know that those guys can. Listen, if I know one thing is that people will find a way to deal with the sideline guy that makes a bunch of stupid jokes during a broadcast. I, uh, I've got some firsthand experience with that situation. Toby, Toby's really adjusted well to my style, I would say. Uh, all right, Ted, my well, loser. It helps oh. when, I mean, it do, I don't know if it helps or doesn't help whenever you say something and I am just dying laughing and Toby's over there like, just trying not to re- trying to be a professional and not react. I'm sorry, Toby. T Row, I love you. I'm sorry. It's gonna be interesting. I I don't think I mean, will I even be on the sideline? I mean, who knows what the football season looks like? I may be like in a suite or in the stands or something. Sign me up for that. At least I'll have a better view. Of the sideline. It's horrible analyzing a football game from the sideline. What if we put you down on the sideline in like an NHL penalty box where it's just plexiglass surrounding you? <laughs> yes. Yeah, first of all, I would do that, but I would need some moving air in set like, penalty box. It's got rollers on it and you can Dude, roll it. Just listen, I'll multitask. Just stick me in the stands. Give me some of those like mitted made. I don't know. They're, they're, they're like that. They're not ice cream. I don't know what you call them, but they're like a frozen lemonade thing. Give me some of those. I'll pass them out. I'll sell them <laughs> while I'm analyzing the game from the stands. I'll, I'll sit in the stands. It's fine. As long perfect. as we get football, I don't care. All right, Ted, my loser of the weekend, the NCAA. I feel like I pick on them quite a bit, but you know what? Hey, sorry. Sucks to suck. According to Pat Forty and Ross Dellinger, Power 5 leaders are discussing putting their own fall championships on if the NCAA cancels or postpone them. Now this, we're talking about everything but football, right? Everything but football. This is something that has been theorized for a while. Right, we've heard people say, "Hey, why don't why don't the Power Five just break off, do their own thing? They can do it." And it's really interesting that this is because this is actually being discussed. We've talked about Ross Dellinger. I mean, he's been on everything when it comes to all of these reports in college football. Good for that guy; he's been crushing it. But the NCAA Board of Governors meets Tuesday. And we're unsure if they'll make a decision or not about fall sports championships, but you know, they are hearing all these murmurs, right? You know, the whispers that are out there. 
And I know some people are like, well, the NCAA, they put these things on and they know what to do, but I don't think it would be that difficult for the power five schools to pull this off. I, I really don't. And I think you can hire an, what an event management company. I mean, there's huge companies that do stuff like this. It would, it would be easy. You pay them a fee and you go down the road, right? You make your money. But the most important thing, and I think a big factor in this whole thing for the power five leaders is optics. They want to make sure that those other sports, that those championships don't get canceled because they got to play football. We, we've talked about the financial aspect of football over and over and over again. And the power five, they're going to try to make it look like they're not just using the football players, right? For, for the financial piece of everything. So this could get really interesting, man. Maybe, maybe it won't, maybe it doesn't come to that. Maybe the NCAA board of governors meets on Tuesday and they kick the can down the road and say, Hey, we're not ready to make a decision, but it seems like the pressure is kind of on. It, it really does. It could, it, am I just, am I buying too much into this? Because this could get, I, I, I mean, I guess it would change the landscape of college sports. That, that's pretty drastic, but well, I just I wonder mean, how serious this is. Right. Um, I mean, just, just think about the, the ramification, though. Um, the NCAA is really there as a governing body for, to make sure that we stay within the the amateur athletic model, right? That's really what the NCAA is for. Well, if the Pac-12 players get their demands where they're getting 50% of the revenue, we're not really talking about amateur athletics anymore, are we? So, you know, there is at some point um, going to be a change as to what happens with the NCAA, you know, Whenever you start to see people say, well, yeah, thanks for the guidelines, but we're going to kind of do our own thing. We appreciate your thoughts on the matter, but yeah, we're going to go ahead and have the event anyways. You become a paper tiger, then right. you're really, at that point, you're worthless. And no one really needs you around for anything. And they don't really listen to what you have to say. So I think it is interesting to see how this thing goes down. Now, my hope is that everyone understands that it's good to have the NCAA be a part of college athletics, to be a, to, to have one body that kind of at least gives the thought of everyone acting appropriately, right? Because we know this, man. If you don't hold people to a standard, they're going to cheat. It's going to happen. It happens in Little League. It happens in high school, and it'll happen in college. And not just college football. It'll happen in gymnastics. It'll happen in baseball and basketball and in every single sport that you have. So there has to be someone at least giving the appearance of holding the whole thing together with a, with a set of rules and regulations. So in my opinion, the NCAA needs to be around. Now, whether or not they are, honestly, I'm not so sure. I mean – I get why power five schools are trying to sidestep what they're, what they're trying to lay down. I, I mean, I understand that, you know, that's one of the problems with the NCAA is they, 
they they try and issue rules and regulations and and some guidelines to stuff but you know they really don't run the 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 day-to-day of a athletics department know what has to happen and you know whenever you issue some of these guidelines like what that ultimately means to some of these member institutions so i don't know i at, at, at uh, a worst case or best case scenario is that the NCAA and the power five can figure out a way to work together better. Yeah. And, and I think one of the reason I think one of the reasons I think this is coming up is the NCAA, they seem like they've deferred a lot during this entire coronavirus thing. Right. And I don't want to say it's come off as weakness but that's kind of how I think it's come off is, you know, lack of leadership, uh, lack of assertiveness. I don't know what the term is, but I think maybe some of these leaders in the power five have seen it and they've been like, do we really need the NCA telling us well, what to do with all these other sports? Is, is there not a better way to do this? Is there not a better business model where we can maximize revenue? I think those discussions are taking place, Ted. I really do. Yeah, well, I think the NCAA's problem uh, during this whole thing is the same problem that a lot of other people had. Fear of saying what they think should happen because of ramifications of that and feeling like they're going to get piled on by a bunch of people on Twitter. And you say the wrong thing and you're the NCAA, everyone's going to say, see, there's no way we should have the NCAA here. They're worthless. They shouldn't be in charge of anything. And all of a sudden, you're, you know, the whole thing implodes on you. I think that's what happened. They were fearful. They didn't really, you know, they didn't know the best way to proceed because a lot of people didn't. So they just kind of took a back seat, which, you know, the end of the day is what you're talking about, weakness. You've got yeah. to have a plan. You've got to believe in it. And you've got to put it down there with some authority. And if you believe in what you're saying, everyone else is going to fall in line. Yeah. So, you know, Monday, you've got the meeting with the Big 12 presidents. Tuesday, you've got the NCAA Board of Governors meeting. I think we're going to have some shit to talk about on yeah. the podcast that'll drop Thursday. I have a feeling some things are going to happen. There's going to be some good stuff. Yeah. There's going to be some moving and shaking early this week. All right, Ted, let's finish up with everyone's favorite segment, and that is Keeping It Local, where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma. And Keeping It Local is brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. As schools look to reopen in the fall, parents want to provide the best possible educational experience and spiritual development for their children. There's no better place for that than Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. A one-to-one iPad setting makes McGinnis students fully prepared to continue high-level learning from home. A 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio guarantees no student is overlooked. In addition to athletic programs and clubs, Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. Financial aid is available. For more information, visit bmchs.org. Teddy, that's probably where your kid's going to end up when he goes to <laughs> Oklahoma City private schools starting here in a couple of weeks. Just saying. All right. Now, there was a lot going on this weekend in Oklahoma, but there was one story that we just we had to talk about. We, we could not ignore it, and I know it's been a couple of days, but there were two people, two cellmates at the Oklahoma County Jail that escaped. And it was just, it was unbelievable. I mean, it really was. Now, I want to make it clear, these two people that escaped, clearly terrible people, right? Scumbags. 
horrible human beings. I want to make that, that that's well established, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that we can't joke about this because they tied freaking bed sheets together like it was some TV show. And they, I don't know if they did, did they like just lower themselves down? Did they scale the building? I don't know, but from the 12th story, I mean, are you kidding? This is, Ted, this is straight out of a movie, TV show, whatever you would say. Now, one dude, he, he did not have a good dismount, apparently, because I think he broke his ankle and didn't get far. They found him, like, just laying, screaming in pain, which he deserves. I think he was, he was, he's in there for some pretty heinous stuff. So, yeah, I'm glad he broke his ankle. I'll say that. I'm, I got no problem saying that. Glad he experienced that pain. He deserves it. But one guy, he, he kind of was out there for a while. I mean, a little bit now, once again. Caught both guys. We're all good here. But did you – you saw the picture, yeah, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Unbelievable. I, I don't even – it's frustrating to me, okay, let's just say, the guts it takes to scale down 12 stories uh, with bed sheets tied in a knot together is, I mean, you're four stories down well, and it's like uh, – You, you say that. Hold? You say that when your options are life in prison, which I really haven't looked into these guys' sentences, but I'm assuming, you know, when you're accused of rape and first-degree murder that you are looking at life in prison, which you should. That or trying to scale a 12, from the 12th story via bed sheets, eh, you know. Eh. Here's my thing, though, I, and I agree with that. But how... In the world, does someone have enough bed sheets in a room to tie them together for a rope that goes down 12 stories? No one notices that. No <laughs> one notices the guys that have a massive pile of bed sheets in their room. I, I, I assume the um, now I haven't seen any more details on the story and I assume there's some sort of investigation and they're going to come out with all the details of, but do you think there's other prisoners in the Oklahoma County jail that have just been sleeping like on mat? Like there's no, they haven't had sheets for weeks. They're like, where the hell did my sheets go? It's like, I don't know. We've got a hundred missing bed sheets somewhere. Huh? Could it possibly be someone tying them into a rope to scale down the building? How, you know, I just, it's, it's, it's 2020. It's 2020. And it's infuriating to me. It's about a couple of years ago. I remember reading that a guy escaped through the ceiling tiles at a jail somewhere in Oklahoma. I was like, what? The ceiling tiles? Come on, guys. Seriously? It's the same thing. Like, I know you're 12 floors up, but there should be some bars on the window so you can't get out no matter what floor it's on. It seems, and once again, I've never run a prison, and it seems like, you know, there's kind of a new, I don't know, like management company or whatever. I don't know. I was reading about the details, and I was like, I really just care about the guys scaling the bed sheets, 12 stories. That's that's crazy. But it seems like the number one thing would be like, let's just secure all the windows, like no matter how high it goes Any up. Any point of entry, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, but I mean, I can hear the thinking. Hell, we're 12 stories up. We'll let them fall to their death if they want to get out of this window. Yeah, wrong. Uh, I, not whenever there's 400 me missing bed sheets tied together somewhere. I just, it was, it was unreal. I mean, it was, it was truly 
unbelievable to me in that picture. That picture was, <laughs> I couldn't stop staring at it. I was like, there's no way. That, that, I was like, that's Photoshopped. Like someone Photoshopped. There's no way. And my question was, there's someone just driving by, watching them just <laughs> come down. Like, you know, like, you know where that jail is? It's like, yeah, it's what right the hell? Of downtown. <laughs> I mean, so like it was just left out there for a long time, uh, which I'm sure they wanted to like do some type of investigation to figure it out. But whenever there's a, a rope of bed sheets hanging down the side of a jail, it might as well, they might as well hang a big, big banner that says we're idiots running the jail here. <laughs> right? I just, it's like a, it's like a, a, a cartoon. Okay. My thing is also there's got, first of all, there's got to be a video, right? There's got to be, a, you would assume that security cameras. Well, Gabe, you would assume there's bars on the windows, right? That's a good so point. You, you got me there. A camera. <laughs> yeah, you got me there. First of all, if there's a video, I want to see it. I want to see the speed. Like, like, did they just go full send? Like, they just went straight down it? Or did they, like, kick off well, the window? Like, I wonder how high the guy that broke his ankle fell from. That's, I'm not going to lie. That's the reason I want to see the video. I want to see how traumatic that fall is. Like, that's one of those videos. Are you one of those people, like, when you see, you know, in sports, like, you see a bad leg break and people are like, oh, I can't watch that. I've, you've never heard me say that phrase. I've never said that phrase. I'm one of those guys that I'm like, you know, they, rewind that. I want to see that again. Like, does that make me weird? I usually watch right up into the point and then I kind of turn away and I think to myself, I can kind of predict what's about to happen and then i'll make a decision from then on to see it it's like if i can prepare myself beforehand it usually helps well i guess i've changed when i was playing it was like ah oh, maybe i don't want to watch that right because you're still playing and you're like okay that could be me that's awful oh that guy I feel for him now it's like listen right i don't back. i don't i don't put myself in any competitive situations like i I can't, that, that can't happen to my ankle while I'm on the elliptical or the Peloton. So yeah, yeah. rewind that. I want to see that guy snap his leg in half. That, that that's crazy. I'm, I am interested like you are though, to see the fall. And part of me thinks it was like really dramatic. Like you remember Indiana Jones, no. he cuts the, uh, the ropes on the bridge and he, they're all hanging on the bridge and people are falling past him. No, exactly wonder, what you're talking about. I'm hoping the guy above fell past the guy below, you know, <laughs> we just was, like, he just he watches tried to him. grab a hold of him or something. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping for. What happens if like the guy, the, uh, the guy that broke his ankle went first and then the other guy, like he's just laying on the ground in pain and the other guys, well, like I'm going to use yeah. him as a landing pad and just boom, just lands right on top of him and then takes off. I mean, survival of the fittest, baby. Grab his shoes, a couple of extra pair of shoes in case you need them out there. Best of how luck. Did the, how did the broken glass of the window they busted out not cut the bed sheets? I don't know. Don't... Okay. Now. What did they anchor the bed sheets to inside the room? Okay. So that was, that was in the article. I don't remember. It was to a desk that was in, that was in there. It was to a metal desk that was in their cell. Is how Do you they think it slammed it. up against the window like it does in the movies? Hell yeah. There's no <laughs> doubt. And it like got jammed, little... like wedged perfectly. And they're yeah. both like, there was a little like moment where they thought they were going to fall. And then they both were like, oh, yes. And then the one, they both thought they made it. And then the guy, I, I hope the bed sheet, like the first guy got down and he was like, oh, it's perfect, man. And then like the second guy comes in, it rips. And that's the guy that snapped his ankle. What a loser.
<laughs> well, they're both back in prison, so they're both losers. That's what you How get you when you do horrible things. If you so the guy that made it down clean and got out and made it for you know half a day before he was caught, probably walks back into a standing ovation. But what happens to the dork that broke his ankle at the bottom of the? Is he shamed by everyone when he comes back? He's definitely getting like the half-hearted applause, right? Yeah. Where the other guy's getting a big cheer, and then he come he comes in like on crutches, and they're like, eh. I'm sure it gets you some street cred on the inside if you try to escape like that. But well, yeah, in the one guy, I mean, they both got out. So what do you do? How do you make it through downtown we, we have, Oklahoma City in a orange so many questions. <laughs> we have so many questions about this situation. Can we just talk to someone from the jail? If, I mean, if anyone from the jail listens, please reach out because we have questions, clearly. A lot of these maximum security prisons are, like, out in the middle of nowhere. Um, but, like, whenever you're – you land down on the ground, I can just picture him looking around before he takes off running. He's wearing an orange jumpsuit. Or, let me guess, in this jail, they don't have to wear orange jumpsuits. They wear, like, a suit and tie so they can blend in with downtown is, Oklahoma City folk. This is – this is such a stupid thought, but do you think the guy that gets out, he jumps down, he's like, he's running around, right? He goes by a TV, he sees like thunder highlights, and he's like, what? It's August. Why are the thunder on TV? I don't get what's, what's happening here. What's happening? What's going on? Like, I know that's such a stupid, I don't know why I think that's so funny. All right, we're, this is over. Why the hell is everyone wearing a mask? What's going on? What is wrong with these people? All right, episode 30. That's enough. That's enough. Episode 30, Ted, in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. You can hear me on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time